0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: There is an end. God tells him that. Moses, you're old. You're going to die. So finally... We're going to see that this is going to happen. And I love the fact that God tells his servants things ahead of time so that when they come to pass, there's a stability. It's like nothing happens by chance in the life of a child of God. Everything is ordered by God. Even your mistakes, he knows, and he's already set in place things to help you find your way back on the path. Because it is a narrow path, isn't it? Jesus said the path is narrow, and few there are that find their way on that path. But broad is the gate. Broad is the way that leads to destruction.
0: Welcome everyone to this edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins a three-part series of the final two chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. Pastor Rob begins in chapter 33 by analyzing the final blessing of Moses on the tribes of Israel. As we learn in chapter 32, God bestowed the blessing on Moses and explained to him he would die soon. It's such a blessing to learn that our God knows our future, and because he does, he guides us on that narrow path. Moses was a man of God and obedient to God's will. We too should also be obedient to what Jesus tells us in his word, so that we don't stray from that narrow path. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's message.
1: If you could, let's open up to Deuteronomy chapter 33, and we are going to read This entire chapter, and then we're going to come back and take a look at it. It says, Now this is the blessing which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand came a fiery law for them. Yes, he loves the people. All his saints are in your hand, they sit down at your feet. And everyone receives your words. Moses commanded a law for us, a heritage of the congregation of Jacob. And he was king in Jeshurun, when the elders or when the leaders of the people were gathered and all the tribes of Israel together. Let Reuben live. And here is his final blessing, really, on the twelve tribes. Let Reuben live and not die, nor let his men be few. And this he said of Judah. "'Hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him to his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him, and may you be a help against his enemies. And of Levi,' he said, "'Let your Thummim and your Urim be your Holy One, "'be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Mesa, "'and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, "'who says of his father and mother, "'I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers "'or know his own children.'" For they have observed your word and kept your covenant, and they shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt, a burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, O Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and those who hate him, that they rise not again. Of Benjamin, he said, the, lo- "The beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him who shelters him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders." And of Joseph, he said, "Blessed of the Lord is his land, with the precious things of heaven, with the dew and the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months, with the best things of ancient, with the best things of the ancient mountains." with the precious things of the everlasting hills, with the precious things of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush. Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. His glory is like a firstborn bull, and his horns like the horns of the wild ox. Together with them he shall push the peoples to the ends of the earth. They are the 10 Ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. And of Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and Issachar in your tents. They shall call the peoples of the mountain, they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness. For they shall partake of the abundance of the seas, and of treasure hidden in the sand. And of Gad, he said, Blessed is he who enlarges Gad. He who dwells as a lion and tears the arm and the crown of his head he provided for himself part he provided the first part for himself because a lawgiver's portion was reserved there and he came with the heads of the people and he administered the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel and of Dan he said Dan is a lion's whelp He shall leap from Bashan. And of Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possess the west and the south. And of Asher, he said, Asher is the most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze. And your days, as for your days, so shall your strength be. And I love this. He ends the next few verses just in worship. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun, who rides the heavens to help you, and in his excellency on the clouds. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you, and will say, Destroy, and then Israel shall dwell in safety, the fountain of Jacob alone. In a land of grain and new wine, his heaven shall also drop dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you, and you shall tread down their high places. Let's go back to the beginning now. So if you, this is Moses' final blessing, if you will, on the children of Israel before he is taken home to be with the Lord. God told him, if you remember in the chapter prior, beginning in verse 48, he told him that this was going to happen. He was going to go up on Mount Nebo, Mount Pisgah, and there he was. He was going to die, 120 years old. God tells him that. Moses, you're old. You're going to die. So finally, we're going to see that this is going to happen. And I love the fact that God tells his servants things ahead of time, so that when they come to pass... There's a stability. It's like nothing happens by chance in the life of a child of God. Everything is ordered by God. Even your mistakes, he knows, and he's already set in place things to help you find your way back on the path. Because it is a narrow path, isn't it? Jesus said the path is narrow, and few there are that find their way on that path, but broad is the gate. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Right, And so God shares with these things with Moses in advance. And in chapter 32, we saw this was a song. Uh, God gave to Moses a song, and they were to record it, and it was prophetic. If you remember, we looked at it last week, the last couple weeks we looked at it. And there's no difference, really, in his message now, in his final words to the tribes of Israel. There's also prophecy contained within it. And one of the wonderful things about the book of Deuteronomy is it's been a book of prophecy from beginning to end, God telling what's going to happen. And how can he do that? Well, because he lives outside of time. He dwells in eternity. There's, there's no end. There's no beginning with him. And he, he was never, he was, he was uncreated. That just drives you crazy if you think about it, you know, to think that God was never created. He always was. Well, what happens before? What happened before he was? Well, he was always there. You, you, you go in that circle, they're reasoning long enough, and you'll lose some sanity Or you'll just believe it by faith and smile really big, and everyone else will think you're crazy. And that's what I choose to do. Are you willing to be a fool for Christ? When nothing seems to... You know, God makes sense, honestly. His word makes complete sense. But you have to believe it by faith. You can either believe the the smart people in Harvard and Yale... And when they come up with stuff that's contrary to the Word of God, you can either believe that or you can believe God. I'm going to believe God because he has never lied to me, and he'll never lie to you. He's never lied to anyone. He's always kept his Word. His, by his word of, the Word of God is a, his track record on display, if you want to go look at it. It's a track record. Can you trust him? I think you can. And so tonight, as we get into this 33rd chapter, Let's look at verse 1 again. It says, Now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And this phrase, underline it, man of God, this is the first time that this phrase occurs in the Bible. It occurs around 71 times in the, in the Bible. And most of those, actually all of them except for one, is in the Old Testament. And it refers, whenever the word phrase, man of God, is spoken of, it speaks of Moses. It certainly speaks of the angel of the Lord, which some believe are is a pre-incarnate uh, visitation of Jesus Christ, what we call a theophany. Sometimes it's, it's been Samuel that this phrase will be used for, and others. And it also occurs once in the New Testament where Paul calls to Timothy. He says, but you, O man of God, flee these things. And he's speaking of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, of which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But Paul said to Timothy, but you, O man of God. Isn't that wonderful that it's not just Moses, it's not just the angel of the Lord, it's not the Old Testament prophet Samuel, it's A person like Timothy, who was timid according to what we understand. And are you timid tonight? Do you think God sees you any less than perhaps Timothy or Moses? He says he's not a respecter of persons, is he? He's not. He doesn't look at your life and see you as something inferior to someone else. So Moses, he was not only a man of God, but he was also referred to as a deliverer, a lawgiver, a prophet. We know that at the very end of this chapter, which we're going to read tonight. In the in 34th chapter, in verse 10, it says, But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses. A prophet like Moses. He certainly was a prophet, whom the Lord knew face to face. What a wonderful testimony to have seen God face to face. Certainly not in his essence, his spirit, because the Bible says that no man can stand before God and live but for some reason he was able to stand before christ or some image of him in a veiled a form to where he would even glow when he came down off the mountain wouldn't you like that very few people only one that i know of that has had that opportunity and moses is one But notice as verses two through five, again, before we get into this final blessing on the tribes of Israel, he begins it with praise. And I love this. The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. These mountains that he's referring to, the Sinai, Seir, and Mount Paran, these are all places where God had given to Moses' statutes and laws. Certainly from Sinai, we remember that, where he gave him the Ten Commandments and many other statutes, but also in other mountains. And it says, For he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand came a fiery law from them. And then verse 3, Yes, again, Moses continuing in his worship. Yes, he loves God. He loves the people. And all his saints are in your hand. And aren't you glad that you're in the hand of God and not in the hand of the devil? The Bible says that nothing in heaven above or on earth beneath can take you out of his hand. If you are in Christ, you are secure. Are we talking about assurance of salvation, the security, eternal security? Absolutely, because when God does a work, it's very good. Read the first few weeks or first few days, I'm sorry, of the creation event. He created and he said it was very good. He created and he said it was good. When God does a work in your heart, it is very good. And he will not leave you nor forsake you. But he goes on. All his saints are in his hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words, Lord. And Moses commanded a law for us, a heritage of the congregation of Jacob. And he was king in Jeshurun. When the leaders of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. Now, when I first read this, when you know, it's very easy to look at Moses as being the one who was king in Jeshua, because in our English language we know. And let me just be an English teacher here for a quick second here. And he, if you notice in verse five, is the pronoun of the antecedent. So, in order for the, if there's a pronoun, there has to be an antecedent that it refer, refers to. And if we go back and we look at verse four, we see that Moses is that antecedent. The pronoun of the antecedent is Moses, and he, Moses is the antecedent. So what the Word of God is saying is that Moses, he was king in Jeshurun, and certainly we know that he wasn't king like king like Jesus is or like God is, but he was a leader. He was a leader over the people. He was like their king in a sense, wasn't he? But ultimately, I believe it's also speaking of God himself, God being the king of Israel, because he is. All of those things are true there 's no, there's no problem there and you know when you look at um, Moses being like a king to them, but it could like I said, it could also be speaking of the prophet king that was to come, and that 's jesus christ there 's only been one person who has fulfilled the title of Prophet, king, and priest, and that is Jesus Christ. He is a prophet. He is the king of Israel. He's also the priest. He's our high priest who intercedes for us. No other person fulfilled those roles. Some came close and maybe had two of those roles, but only Jesus himself had that blessing. You can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Uh, It says... um, I will raise up a prophet for them, a prophet like, like you, Moses, from among their brethren, and he will, and I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will, hear, will not hear my words, Excuse me, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word of my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. So we know that this is a prophecy of Jesus. Prophecy of Jesus now when we get into sections uh, uh, the section below this, uh, beginning with verses six through twenty five it 's very reminiscent, if you will, of jacob 's blessing of the twelve tribes. Do you remember when there they are in Egypt, and finally Joseph uh, unveils himself, he reveals himself to his brothers and and they go back and they bring jacob back and he 's so happy to see the son that he thought he lost and remember on his deathbed as Jacob was dying in his last moments. He sat all the, all the boys down and he told them. He prophesied over each one of them, told them things to come and, and also some not so good things. He was very honest with them. And so whenever somebody is on their deathbed and they begin to share information about their life or about a loved one, it's so important for us to take note of that. Because by the time somebody is at the end of their road, they're not going to be so much concerned about how much money I made. They're not going to be so much concerned about how much success I've gained. They're not going to be concerned about the toys that they've amassed over 70, 80, 90, 100 years of their life. They're not concerned about any of that. Death has a wonderful way of bringing sobriety to the human soul. And when Someone is on their deathbed, it's good for us to listen to what they have to say, because usually it's pretty remarkable. And here, as we get into verse 6, we're going to see that very thing. And I'm going to be juxtaposing some of the things that Jacob had shared with his sons, with the same tribes as we go along, because you'll find that there's some differences, there's some similarities. And we're not going to be exhaustive about this. We're just going to go through a handful of these. But notice in verse 6, it says, "...let Reuben live and not die." nor let his men be few you remember Reuben was the very firstborn of Leah the firstborn of Leah so as the firstborn he should have had the birthright he was the oldest of the 12 tribes and it's interesting Rachel his mother was Jacob's first love he loved Rachel remember he he worked for he was bamboozled if you will by Laban and given Leah first when he really wanted Rachel these two sisters He loved Rachel. It's not that he didn't, Leah was a little bit different, and she was okay, but I really like her. Right? He was in love with Rachel. And he waited. He worked for 14 years to, to secure her hand in marriage. And it took a long time for her to have a child. And in Genesis chapter 49, again, in this chapter where Jacob is blessing his sons, he says this about Reuben. Because we heard what Moses said, "'Let Reuben live and not die, nor let his men be few.'" But Jacob said in Genesis 49 and verse 3, "'Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, you shall not excel.'" because you went up to your father's bed then you defiled it he went up to my couch it's kind of an interesting phrase it's almost like he's like an unbelief he went up to my couch he had the he had the guts to 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 do this right and this word unstable as water literally means like a boiling it's it's like a lustful kind of boiling like when you're boiling with lust that's really the kind of the idea he was unstable as water he was just boiling frothing with lust and he went after his dad's concubine In Genesis 35, verse 22, it tells us what happened. It says, And it happened when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and he lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. He heard about it, but it doesn't sound like he really did much about it. He heard that he had laid with Bilhah, which was Rachel's handmaid. His firstborn son now lays with his father's handmaid. Why? Because Rachel couldn't have kids. And you remember there was a time when Rachel just said, You know what? Leah has given you all these kids. I can't do Lord open my womb, do something, getting very frustrated, and Leah was certainly antagonizing Rachel. So you know when Leah had all these kids, and then Leah says, Well, go into my handmaid Zilpah and have children by her and he did. Had two kids. And then finally time goes on. Rachel's wondering, what has the Lord done? He's closed up my womb. And so she gets frustrated and says, why don't you just go into Bilhah? (laughs) Have children by her on my knees, and then they'll be my, my children. So he does. Has two more kids. Then finally the Lord opens up Rachel's womb and gives them Joseph. Finally this Joseph of Rachel, his love, the woman he loved more than anything. And finally, their firstborn, Joseph, and then his brother, Benjamin, the youngest of the brothers. In First Chronicles 5, it says, "...the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, he was indeed the firstborn, but notice, because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel." so that the genealogy is not listed according to the birthright. And so what had happened was, because of Reuben's going up and and doing this deed, later on we find, in Genesis 48, right before Jacob would bless his sons, that Joseph would come with his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And... Joseph tried to bring his two sons to his father, Jacob, as he was getting ready to die. And he put Manasseh, who was the firstborn, on this side because, from Jacob's perspective, it would be his right hand. He put Manasseh here, and he put Ephraim here, and he brought him up to his dad, and his dad did something interesting. He crossed his hands, and he put his right hand on who? Ephraim. And blessed him instead of his brother, Manasseh, who was Indeed, the firstborn. So he says, let Reuben live and not die, nor let his men be few. And why is this? Let Reuben live and not die? Because Reuben was worthy of death, wasn't he? By going up to his father's concubine and laying with her, he uncovered, as the Bible says, his father's nakedness because he had been with her. In Leviticus 20, verse 10 says this, the man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife.
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.